The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart always be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, again, uh, good morning uh, to everyone, uh, friends and uh, familiars, strangers and guests. Welcome to you all. You know, we have some wonderful scriptures in uh, today's uh, passages. We have the opening chapter of Ruth, which gives us a tale of trial and tribulation, of loss and devotion, and of heartbreaking dismay. Just recall Naomi's lament. Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. There is no hint of what is to come. Yet what is it that we just heard also in our psalm? The Lord loves the righteous. He sustains the orphan and the widow. The widows in our Old Testament story will be sustained and transformed. All you have to do is go ahead and read the rest of the book of Ruth. It's a small book, four chapters. You read all of those chapters. You'll find out that Naomi's, Naomi's bitterness will turn to joy. And while Ruth's sojourn as a stranger in the strange land of Judah will end with her becoming the great-grandmother of David, the king of Israel, an ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have the gospel with the great prayer of Judaism known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Devout Jews pray this every morning and every night. And if they are so blessed, these are the last words on their lips before they die. Added to this is the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Taken together, our scriptures give us a story of love and endurance, and we have two commandments that form the basis, the very foundation of how we are to live our faith. But while we may be familiar with the challenges of loving our neighbor and of loving ourselves, I would like us to consider an equally challenging endeavor, and that is accepting love from our neighbors, who may well have been our enemies or with whom we have disagreed. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus commands us to love our enemies, regardless of the difficulty. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? He says in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? But again, what about the challenge of being on the receiving end of love and the invitation to transformation? Giving love, as we know, can be hard enough. Sometimes it can even be infused with a sense of pride. 
and an understanding that, you know, we're doing the right thing. We're doing the Christian thing, loving our neighbor. But how hard it can be to accept love, to let God's grace into our lives and turn our hearts. Many years ago, I had a reunion of sorts with my stepfather. He and my mother had divorced when, when I was 12, and I had seen him very sporadically in the 25 years since, making sure to keep our lives at a safe distance. We were, in my mind's eye, enemies and adversaries. And while he moved on, I never let go of my pain and my disdain. So when I learned that he was coming to vault to Baltimore to visit, I was determined. I was determined not to see him. After all, I had wounds to protect. I had old hurts I did not want to release. The 12-year-old boy inside me raged against any thought of reconciliation and love that was not even to be considered. Now, I was not a practicing Christian at that time. But that was no matter to God, for he was in control, and not me. So before I could say no, a meeting was planned, and I dragged myself to it, resolving to be distant and even professional, as if we were strangers. I stuck out my hand, expecting to shake his, and he embraced me in what felt like a sort of spiritual jujitsu move, all right, where you expect one thing, and the next thing you know, boom, you're on your back. Except I was being held by a love I did not want. I had nurtured an entire narrative of bad guys and innocent victims featuring my stepfather and myself. His visit ended with me rethinking the story I had told myself, and years later, as he lay dying from cancer, I called him to say thank you. Now, words of love were not yet on my lips at that time, but it was not easy for me even to make that call, and yet I had to confess and admit that for all to be considered, in the end, he helped to shape my life. In part, I am who I am because of who he was. By then, I was back in church and discerning a call to the priesthood. But still, still to this day, I struggle with Jesus' call to love and his commandments for reconciliation and forgiveness, not only in regards to my stepfather, who was long gone, but to others in my daily life. And I pray for God's continued grace and healing because I am a work in progress, clay in the master's hands. The scholar Don Otani Wilhelm, whom I have mentioned in several sermons this year as we study Mark's gospel, she says the following about today's passage. It is not enough to acknowledge our or understand God's will. We must also participate in the reign of God by living as Christ lived and loving as Christ loved with our whole being. 
That's what that passage in the gospel says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything that is in you. Hold nothing back, but put that love forward. But yet, as I said, brothers and sisters, how hard it can be to give love and to receive love, to forgive and accept forgiveness. But also, also how wondrous and liberating life can be when this happens. An energy loop, in a sense, can be set in motion with love building on love, growing ever greater, spreading in ever widening circles, and giving us all a foretaste of the blessed kingdom. The scripture says that the scribe was told, you are near, very near the kingdom because he has the understanding. But the next step, of course, is the action to enter the kingdom, to have that blessed taste, that foretaste that can be brought to us. As St. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so imagine if this took hold in the life and heart of every Christian, regardless of race and political persuasion. Imagine if in every church in America, the talk was not about our divisions and our differences, but about our common call to love. And what if that talk was then followed by action and the swords of our discourse were laid aside as God's love overflowed between us? Brothers and sisters, we know what we are commanded to do. Not asked to do, not requested to do, but what we are commanded to do. Scripture is relentless on this idea. We find it in the Old Testament. We find it in the New Testament. We find it in the words of the Hebrew prophets. We read it in the Christian epistles. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Those are harsh words. They are from the first epistle of John, a community that was riven with strife. We read them and we know and understand and realize that the struggle to love as God loves us is eternal. And yet, by God's grace, we press on. And we give thanks, right? We give thanks for all of the phenomenal and inspiring examples of love, known and unknown, beginning with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, as our prayer in the Book of Common Prayer says, stretched out his arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, so that everyone might be drawn into the reach of his saving embrace. And it is from that cross that he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And thus he gave us another example of love, showing by word and deed the essence of our faith, but also the difficulties of our faith. How hard it must have been for him to say, Father, forgive them who have nailed me to the cross. And yet, as the psalmist says, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, O my soul. And may we, all of us gathered here, be blessed 
with the strength to love and to be loved, to accept it and to give it. For in doing so, by this, we will truly be known as the children of God. In the name of the Father and the Son.